Welcome to The Recap, the part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. I do not have an acronym. I thought an appropriate... Praise God. <laughs> I thought an appropriate... Oh, Nick, you don't know what I'm about to do. Oh, I thought an appropriate song cover for this particular sermon could be, and we'll have fun, fun, fun till Joseph points to Jesus today. <laughs> that's what Rick Shank did oh, with boy. his sermon. Rick, thanks for joining us. <clears throat> Dr. Rick Shank. You've got two doctorates, right? No, just one. I've got oh. two if you count my wife and I. Oh, good times. Covenant headship right <laughs> wow. there. So uh, you preached on <laughs> Genesis 45, which is the story of Joseph basically revealing himself. Do you want to walk us through the text and summarize what it was that you did? You know, I've already preached this. Uh, sorry, Carl, you were there. Why don't you tell me what I preached uh, <laughs> my, so I could hear it fed back? Am I back in seminary? Not sure what I said. Oh, this is fun. Rick was, uh, back in Rick was Nick's and my uh, systematic prof way back in the day, which I greatly enjoyed, Rick. Um, basically what I just said, Joseph uh, points to Jesus in all kinds of, I think, valid from the text ways. The four points were God sent me before you. Jesus was sent to rescue us. So it's in the providence of God sending Joseph uh, as one who is going to prepare the way to preserve and protect and ultimately save the people of God. Jesus uh, does the same. Come near to me. Jesus draws us to himself for life. Uh, that Joseph uh, was not uh, reticent, reticent, however you say that word. I'm a reader. In rejecting them or somehow saying don't really come close. He uh, open with open arms embraced them. Uh, and Jesus does the same. I rejoice over you. Jesus overflowing joy. For us, so Jesus uh, and Joseph, Joseph weeping and his heart. I love that point. Uh, being revealed. Yeah, it was a great, great point. And then last, we will provide for you. The Father and Son will provide for us, which is, uh, you know, everything in the story about them coming to Egypt out of the promised land, the place of famine that should have been blessing. Now we're in Egypt of all places, but we will be blessed here uh, in a, an apparent exile, which I, in hindsight, thought, I should have probably tied that into communion, but I was thinking on my feet. I can't remember. Actually, you, that was yeah. in my mind when you were introducing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, we will be provided, <laughs> be provided for in communion. That's. I think that's the summary that I would. Is that Good. basically that, how you'd summarize it? Excellent. What What else would you say in the crevices there, Rick? Or what you else know, would I, you add, Stacy and Nick? The Rick and Nick show. Uh. You did a great job, Daniel. That was a great summary of where of where Rick went. I wouldn't add a thing. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Stacy. would you add anything? I wouldn't add anything, but I really enjoyed the sermon. It was actually really moving to consider um, us before Jesus in the way that Joseph's brothers went before him. And um, yeah, how you tied that in and pointed to Jesus was just beautiful and moving and it was freshly, yeah, um, made me freshly grateful for acceptance in Christ. Amen. Yeah. Something else that was moving, or you might say someone else that was moving was Rick all across stage. Uh, Rick, you <laughs> preached that way. Um, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to get back to the original question in a second, like fill in Good the crevices there. Though. I want yeah, to be yeah, but, but like wandering, wandering around to some degree, you're not like, 
super active. You're kind of like, you've got your tent post. I'd say he's he's moseying. Left and right. He's moseying moseying. around the stage. Is is there Moses moseying? Yeah, is there a Hebrew word for moseying? (laughs) Sounds like it might be a Hebrew word. Um, Why do you preach that particular way? Rhetorically, you know, like what is the effect of what you're doing there? My desire is to be as connected as I can with the people I love. Uh, That's what's missing in writing a sermon is, is being with people. And so it's the same reason I dropped the notes. Um, I almost took time out to talk about it, but I didn't want to distract from the sermon. And the reason I dropped the notes is because I don't want to distract from the sermon. Because I'm moseying, I haven't heard that term before applied, but okay. <laughs> because I'm moseying and because I'm looking in people's eyes, I don't want to be shuffling my notes and putting it in the right place. I don't have a pulpit. Yep. Um, even well, you, when you did, get, but you did. Yeah, so. not, not what I'm using. Yeah. <clears throat> even when you get a new one, it probably won't track unless you yeah. get one from Dumbledore or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's Dumbledore for the uninitiated? <laughs> like, uh, is there an uninitiated? Possibly. The, so that for me to drop the notes is the way to stay in closest connection with people. Gotcha. Um, and I've done that for 35 years. Yep, yep. So it's not new. It's, you know, this... After last time getting comments here about it, I was probably on edge about it, thinking, okay, am I distracting people? Usually I'm doing it without thinking at all uh, about that piece because I'm looking at people and thinking about the text. So that's yeah, the reason. Yeah. And okay. End yeah. of your Yeah, thank you. The definition there. of mosey is to walk and move in a leisurely manner. I was doing that. <laughs> that's good. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to be closer like- to different people. We have a very wide yeah. uh, auditorium, uh, sanctuary, <clears throat> whatever the word. And, and so- can be very far from any given person yeah. uh, wherever you stand. Yeah. Have you ever considered inviting people over to help you write your sermon in the week before? Interesting. I've done it in various ways. Okay. Uh, I've done it after the fact, uh, visiting families in the church and saying, hey, help me out. Okay. What, 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 where'd you get confused? I've done it before getting a team together. Yeah. Uh, That's what I do is I invite people over usually mm-hmm. in the morning before I preach and oh, interesting. ask them to help me apply it better. That's a good idea. Usually. So fill in the crevices of your sermon. Yeah. You know, one of the things I would have loved to deal with more that there was just no time for is the the joint work of Pharaoh and Joseph and how that explains, not anticipates, because it's already going on, how how that shows us the relationship of Jesus and the Father. I remember reading this 20, 30 years ago that text and wondering why, why would Pharaoh not be kind of bothered by this? I mean, Jews can't even eat with them. Yeah. Uh, why is Joseph not keeping his relationship to them somewhat covert? Why is he wailing uh, in such a way that brings everybody to him? Uh, and yet to see Pharaoh's response, uh, what Joseph wanted, Pharaoh wanted just as much. And that does help us see the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit in all the things they do. Uh, it is always an inseparable operations, to use a technical term, but they're, they're doing it together in love, in joy, and with n- no sense of, hmm, will, he, will this be okay with him? And I, I would have liked to have developed that, but it was outside the scope of what we could get to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stacy, Nick, questions or comments on the sermon? Yeah, I have a question. Um, so you wonderfully uh, showed us how Joseph is pointing to Jesus in all of these 
ways and I really enjoyed it. Uh, in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, <clears throat> so uh, Spurgeon, um, you know, a preacher that we, most of us really like and hold in high esteem, he was often accused of more kind of like analogical type preaching, which means that he, 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 he would preach a text and then he would, uh, some would assert, others disagree, but he would just jump from the text straight to how it showed Jesus without much concern for the history or the the textual links uh, themselves. You know, is this warranted to jump to Jesus in that way? What's really going on in the story? Just text, boom, this is, this is how it goes. By way of like analogy, this is like, you know, that type of thing. So how, how is what you did on Sunday kind of the same or different of that type of more analogical preaching? Was what you did warranted in the text itself or was it more of a jump? A really good question, important one. One that again, with, with infinite time, I would have addressed. Yeah. Um, but it did go into my preparation. Uh, first, uh, for me, not Spurgeon, but Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Augustine, if there's somebody I'm following and doing that. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't say doing as well as, but uh, following in concept. But I'm going to say both the text itself and the audience. So first, I know the audience. Uh, the people who have come together to worship with me, are people who know the story. And in fact, one of my concerns is if I had preached the story as history and then at the end applied it in some way, mm-hmm. I'd have wasted 80% of their time because they know this story. And I might've told it in a way that's entertaining or boring, but it's, they know it. Now there was probably five to 10% that didn't know the story. And for those, I think that's a legitimate question. I, I probably could have developed the history a little bit more for whatever five to 10% were learning it for the first time. But for those who know it, it was time to move and show them what this was really doing. As I said in the intro, how this story participates in the great story. Second, from the text, I was, I was grabbed. I am Jesus. I am Joseph. And so because Moses is writing this, I am Joseph, just before he gets to, I am who I am, literally mm-hmm. chapters away. Yeah. Yep. I think that was Moses setting us up. Sure. So I'm taking this both from the text and from the friends who've gotten together. What do they already know? Mm-hmm. Sure. That's good. It would be wrong, just to affirm with you, it would be wrong to believe or act as if the history wasn't important as history. Mm-hmm. The history is important as history. Mm-hmm. The only question is how much can I do in the time I've got mm-hmm. yeah. with the people who've come together? So what you're describing, what, I mean, and I've read loads of Spurgeon, the analogies of the, you know, or you could go back to some of the medieval uh, uh, sermons that you can find, you know, uh, the cupbearer is akin to the Holy Spirit and the, and the baker is akin to Satan cast out of heaven. Isn't the baker that was killed? Mm-hmm. I can't remember, you know, all these other things, you know, those kinds of deep analogies, you know, Augustine's, however many different ways you can read the, the text. I think to some degree, you know, what you're, what's happening is this is a typological reading that is actually somewhat intended by the author, whereby we can say like, all right, um, if Joseph is, living a certain way, doing a certain thing, being used by God a certain way so that we can see God's actions behind the text, which is what we've been doing all Genesis, right? It's not always on the face of it, you know, and then God said X, and then God said Y. Sometimes it's as subtle as, 
you know, the same inflected Hebrew word used two times right next to each other, poorly translated by the ESV and nowhere else in the Pentateuch. You know, like it's, it can be that kind of precise sort of thing. But for, I think the, your triads, you had three triads, yeah. right? Yeah, your triads where you're pointing at the text, look at this, look at this. It's repeating the emphasis. We see this elsewhere in the Pentateuch. I think was really good and helpful. And it was, that was the new piece to me. I mean, I, I thought I knew this text, but to see that, to see the three triads I had not seen before, and I would have always jumped to Genesis 50 for this uh, God, God sent me and it's for good. I've only gone to 50 and now I'm seeing it's here. So that was helpful to see each of the three is substantiating the key points. Yep, yeah. Uh, anything, Stacey, anything, Nick, you would add or things you took away from the sermon, things that struck you? I, I thought it was great. That's, yeah. There is one thing I would have added. I don't have time to develop it now or oh. uh, then, but I would have loved, and to the extent that we have time now, to talk about don't quarrel along the way. Uh, oh. How does that fit into an analogical reading as well as historical reading? Uh, I think there's a you lot there. You 60 seconds, Rick, go. Um, Luke 2.15, uh, and the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord made known to us, and they went in haste. And can I add with joy by watching how they did it? Um, I think this idea of don't quarrel along the way is understood in the context of joy and raw realization of what's actually going on. And I think sometimes our quarreling along the way is because we don't get, I am Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that I rejoice over you. I'm going to kiss you and weep on your neck when I see you in heaven. Mm. So historically, why do you think that was said in the text? Because he knew them. That they would. Yeah. 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 And because they had no focus before that except themselves. Now, seeing Joseph is alive mm. and being able to give joy to their father reversing what they did before. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think that is good. And I'm preaching Genesis 46 uh, this upcoming week, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that and the kind good. of the denouement there. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't quarrel along the way. A uh, eschatological book of Christian ethics by Rick Shank coming to Crossway 2026. Maybe? No? Sounds like fun. <laughs> not, your cho- not your chosen <laughs> publisher. Well, Rick, thanks again for preaching and it was a joy to hear it again. It's been a number of years. I, I wasn't around last year when you preached. I was on okay. sabbatical, but I remember up at the church in Maple Plain uh, watching online or maybe I went once and seeing it. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks again. Thanks.